Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That's right, folks. Merry Metal Christmas here on a Friday. It is the Rocky Boyman Show. Now, it's usually Hair Metal Friday, but it's going to be Hair Metal Christmas music all throughout the night. So just strap it in for that. Well, Alice Cooper. Crank it up a little bit, Dave. A little more. There we go. There we go. All right, go ahead and fade it out. So, folks, welcome to the program here. I've uh, got a few things uh, we're going to discuss throughout the course of the night, but I want to introduce my first guest here. His name is George Brenneman. Um, he's a uh, former engineer, consultant. He was also uh, the head of the Cincinnati Tea Party uh, a few years back and a uh, very politically involved, very knowledgeable guy. He joins me here in the studio for the first hour. George, how are you? Thanks for having me, Rocky. Glad to be here. Very good, man. So uh, let's we got a bunch of stuff we want to cover here, and I hope we can get it in in an hour. I first want to ask you, as we come to the end of this year, and of course the end of of the Obama presidency, you know, what, what, I want to ask you what you think Obama's legacy is going to be. Now, before you answer that, I want to play a soundbite because um, Oprah, okay, today asked or yesterday asked Michelle Obama basically what she thought about Obama's legacy. Dave, go ahead and hit it. Your husband's administration, everything, the election was all about hope. Do you think that this administration achieved that? Yes. I do, because so she had to convince herself that I was just going to say the same thing. <laughs> See, now we're feeling what this. not having hope feels like. <laughs> you know, <laughs> hope is necessary. It's it's a necessary concept. <laughs> and Barack didn't just talk about hope because he thought it was just a nice slogan to get votes. I mean, he and I and so many believe. That if you, what else do you have if you don't have hope? Yeah. What do you give your kids Talent. if you can't give them hope? <laughs> you know, our children respond to crises the way they see us. I go, go ahead and kill her. So you, know, so you get the idea. So she, you know, she first of all she had to kind of think and convince herself um, of of what Obama accomplished in, in the eight years. But the one thing that struck me is she's thinking, oh, we, now everyone's feeling what it's like to not have hope. I'm like, speak for yourself. I think things are going pretty good right now that Donald's been been elected. And he hasn't even taken office yet. Right, he hasn't even gone. We got the record sky in the stock markets. We've got you know some businesses turning around. Some are staying in the U.S. for for crying out yeah, loud instead of going in. to China. Yeah, and he's not even in there yet. Yeah, I, I just I just picture Donald coming in and saying, "Listen, we're going to run this like a business. If we don't make a profit, we're not doing something right." And if you think about it, unlike Obama and especially Clinton who was in there to try and get all of this money from the lobbyists, Trump could care less. He doesn't I mean, have you to answer to them. That's the beauty. Yeah. Who cares? Right. He only makes money if the entire economy goes up. I mean, with $8 billion in the market, if the market goes up 10%, 
He's got $800 million, and he didn't have to take anything from any lobbyist. Well, and you're right. That is the beauty of it, because you see so many of these politicians, Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, when they came in office, dead broke. Right now, when, when Bill Clinton left office, all kinds of money. Harry Reid, dead broke. Now he's worth 40-something million dollars. But but Donald Trump isn't going to have to worry about that. He's, right. he's already got the money. He's like, I, I got that taken care of here. Now we can focus on building the country and not being uh, held hostage by these lobbyists all the time. Well, I, I just imagine he walks in with Obama into the Oval Office. And he says, yeah, I'll use this office. But, you know, that bedroom upstairs, I, I got something better down the street. You just rent that out. I don't care. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's kind of where it is. Right. And getting to what uh, good old Michelle just had to say about what was his biggest contribution, I think it's 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 very telling that she said hope. You can't eat hope. You can't pay the bills with hope. Anybody can hope. You don't have to have any talent, any dedication. You can hope that the government gives you more food stamps. Well, he did that. You can hope that the government gives you a house and some clothes and an Obama phone. But none of that comes from what you did. Hope is just an emotion. You can't. You can't eat an emotion. Well, you'd think after eight years she'd be able to say we did this, 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 this. And the first thing is is hope. That's not a concrete thing. Right. That's not an accomplishment. So it's like, like you said, it's an ideal, and it sounds great, but it, it, it's not. It's, there's nothing, it, no real true results of it. Anytime you listen to a, to a liberal, whatever they say they're not doing, that's what they are doing. And whatever they accuse the other guy of doing, that's exactly what they're doing. So she says it was not just a campaign slogan well hell yeah it was that was all it ever was yeah and it was Hope fantastic and, and it worked yeah absolutely but if you try and look at like i said i'm an engineer that's in my dna i always look at the numbers the logic i, I have a hard time dealing with emotion so look at the numbers he doubled the debt he said eight trillion back when you know george w got the deficit and debt up to eight trillion he said that's just that's just un-american that's horrible well he's got it up to 20 20 yeah you know, instead of having people get off food stamps, he's doubled the number that are on food stamps. How is that a good thing? Well, the amount of people that have multiple jobs because the, the, the wages are not what they used to be. is not bringing in the same amount of money and providing the same amount of things. That is skyrocketing. He always points to the unemployment rate, which is always, the A, the most doctor statistic out there, and B, not a true teller of how his economy was doing. Absolutely, because they changed the way they calculated. They essentially got rid of the denominator. If you if you quit looking for work, well, then you're not unemployed. Well, wait a minute. You're not getting any money. You're taking money from the government, so you're unemployed. Right. Sorry, or if you, have a, or if you have a part-time job, you're employed. Well, not not in the same way that you would be with, a obviously, a, a full-time job. Right. And, and if you look at um, just the feeling, I mean, she she talks about not having any hope. But if you walk down the street now... For the first time in nine years, people think things are going to get better. You can feel it while you're waiting in line with your Christmas gifts. There's more people there. The housing market's going through a record, you know, enthusiasm kind of thing. And mm -hmm. now that's an emotion, but that translates right into dollars. They're say, building more houses. People think they can afford them. Th th there's, you know, uh, over half of the country right now is, is thrilled with what's going on. And like you said, obviously... You know, the stock market is a reflection of that. They, they, that's shown tremendous amount of confidence. They like the fact that he's going to probably most likely cut taxes down. He's going to be able to, you know, get jobs back here in America. So I, I think people are, are walking on cloud nine right now. I don't know what she's saying. Well, and if you look at what just happened with the Fed, they just raised the interest rate for the first time in forever. They're finally above zero. They did that specifically because the stock market was taken off. They couldn't afford for Obama to look that horribly bad that, you know, just the thought of Trump coming in 
took them from oh, yeah. seventeen thousand oh, totally, totally. up to twenty thousand. So now they've they've thrown a big wet blanket over things by saying it's going to get more expensive to take a loan. I, I think that was entirely. You know, it's the right move, but it should have been done about a year ago, two years ago. Absolutely, absolutely. George Berman joining us here in the studio. Let's switch gears here to uh, to the election and go back a little bit. And before we get into the whole electoral college and what's this and all the fact that the liberals are, are, all of a sudden know everything and, and adore the Constitution, uh, before we get into that, let's talk locally here. Now, you know, locally, you know, I, I grew up in Green Township. You grew up in Green Township. Um, I, for the longest time, you know, Hamilton County has been very, very – Conservative. Now, the city of Cincinnati has been as leaned Democratic, um, but but it seems like in the last election, certainly here locally, I mean, it, it was the city went way, way left. I mean, is, is that what your perspective of it? Um, when you look at the numbers, you've got to be very, very scared for what's happening. And think of it in terms of generations. So my parents grew up in Price Hill, which now if you're not concealed carry there, you probably don't want to go out at night. Mm-hmm. So when they got married and had kids, they moved to Delhi. When we got married and had kids, we moved to Bridgetown. You're all the way out right next to Indiana. You can't get any further from the city of Cincinnati now and still be in Ohio. So what has happened is, and I think it's an intentional move, they have turned the urban centers into entitlement districts more than anything else. I mean, if you look at the map of the United States, you've seen the one that shows the red and and blue states. The one that's more telling is the red and blue counties. counties. Yeah. All you got to do is look at that, and you see two things. You see where all the urban centers are, and you see where all the immigrants are. I mean, if you remember, it's it's all through that uh, southwest side of Texas, southwest side of Florida, all of Arizona. They turning blue because they're putting people who aren't allowed to vote in there, and, and it's it's absolutely destroying what's going on. And and to think of this local election, I mean. When you woke up on Wednesday morning and heard that Trump actually won, it's just huge enthusiasm, right? But then you realize, wait a minute, we've now got two Democrats as Hamilton County commissioners. The whole city council is a bunch of clowns, except for, you know, Christopher Smitherman and a couple others and Amy Murray. And now you've got this Democratic Hamilton County. The city of Cincinnati went from being 75% Democrat to now it's up to 78% Democrat. And what really stands out when you look at it, these people vote entirely as a block. Right. right In other words, mm-hmm. if you look at the statistics per per precinct, you'll see, I think there were 53 precincts that had above 90% Democrat. There were 100 that were above 80% Democrat. You know how many of them actually voted for Trump this year? Out of 186 Cincinnati precincts, seven Voted for Trump, and those were forty nine fifty one. So in, in Hamilton County, no, in City of Cincinnati. City of Cincinnati, okay. City of Cincinnati represents a twenty two percent change in the entire demographics of Hamilton County. Essentially, when you run as a right, Democrat, you, well, well, to your point, you take in just in, in the example of Trump, you take the City of Cincinnati out of Hamilton County. Trump wins by, by a 50, landslide by fifty six percent. He right. wins 56-44 if you take out the city. If you leave the city in, he loses 55-44. So, I mean, it's, it's an exact swap. It's a 20% swap. And if you look at every single race, it, that 20% is everywhere. It was there for Hamilton County commissioners. It was there for everybody except Portman. Portman was able to cross a little more lines inside of the city. But, you know, when you woke up and you say, hey, you know, a Dieter's lost, a Winkler lost, 
That's just unheard of. Yeah, it really I is. I mean, Tracy was beat by this kid who's never had a real job. He's going to run the courthouse? Are you yeah, kidding me? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Me? Unbelievable. Yeah. All because he had a nice little commercial on a name aftab. I don't see how that's an asset. And that's what people are voting on now. It's this emotional thing. But essentially, if you run as a Democrat in Hamilton County now, 25% of the vote is automatically yours. It's never going to change. That's the bottom number. If you do no advertising at all in Hamilton County, like – you know, Steve Shabbat's opponent, I, I can't even name who she was, she got 67% of Hamilton County without spending a penny. I mean, she did nothing except Just walked put in, her name see on the, the ballot. And, and they, they vote that way. Is there a way to, to, to flip that, do you think, George? Because obviously, you know, you look what Trump did nationally. He took a lot of Rust Belt states, a lot of states and counties that had traditionally voted Democrat for a long time and was able to flip them. Is it going to take... A, the perfect candidate is it going to take a candidate like Trump to maybe flip that back. How do the you see the only it going? way I think it's going to flip is if we can prove that having a job is a better thing than having a paycheck from, you know, health and human services. That's the only way it's going to flip when you can get people to realize, hey, I've got a better opportunity with a paycheck than I do with food stamps. That's the only thing that's going to flip it. And that's that's the one hope we really have with Trump. You know, the Republicans think they can win by being Democrat light. You know, we don't want to expand food stamps that much, but we still want to expand them. And God help us, we're not going to eliminate them. But, you know, Trump's going to come in here and say, wait a minute, we got to find a way to get these people jobs. I mean, right. A, if they're not looking, you don't get anything. You know, you're not going to get paid to have more kids and never have a husband. That's broken up more homes than anything in history. Right. right. Well, it's just it's a very pervasive thing. It keeps going cycle by cycle and family by family. And, it never, and that's never what Trump's differs. got going for him, I think, is he he has a chance to say, listen, I'm going to get you people jobs. We're going to have something to do. We're going to bring some jobs back. Uh, and the that, fact that he has a history of doing it and has already done it to some extent without even setting foot in office. So it, it's certainly an exciting time. Uh, let's do this. We'll take a break. And, George, when we come back, I want to dip into this whole uh, electoral college fiasco. Uh, again, all of a sudden everyone's quoting uh, Alexander Hamilton's Federalist 68 papers and all this stuff, even though they probably have never read it and don't even know what it means. Uh, well, let, let's talk about Trump and the electoral college and what's going to go down on Monday right here next, 700 WLW. Welcome back to the show. It is Hair Metal Friday, Hair Metal Christmas Friday. Little twisted sister. D. Snyder on vocals, the man. You know they're done playing. I believe they, they did their final concert. Um, George is looking at me like I have three heads. You're talking hair metal. I don't have a hair on my <laughs> That's hair. That's right. You don't Come have on. any hair. <laughs> we can dream, though, right? Oh, uh, gosh. I want to hear Bing Crosby. You got any of that? No. No. It's <laughs> hair effing metal Friday. We play metal music on Friday, and I happen to give it a Christmas twist. All right. So so let, let, let's talk, George, about the business that's going on in the Electoral College. To, to me, I look at it and say, here is a, a bunch of people, you know, liberal Democrats, who have for the longest time tried to do everything short of just outright burning the Constitution. Never worried about the Founding Fathers, never worried about what's in the founding documents of the country. Now, all of a sudden, they're constitutional scholars, and they say it is their duty by the by the Constitution. And Andrew, um, and with uh, Alexander Hamilton's Federalist 68 papers, that they are uh, endowed by the country to not allow a, a um, misogynistic blah, 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 blah monster into the office. So they're going to basically say, Hey, all you dummies out there, all you tens of thousands of people who voted this way, and I was given the job to kind of reflect you, I know better than you. So what's going on with this, George? First of all, 
I mean, on what ground do they have to stand on? Second of all, do you think this has any remote chance of actually working? Okay, the first one, do they have a ground to stand on? Absolutely not. Uh, The Electoral College was originally put in place to say, like you just said, we don't absolutely trust the voters. So what we're going to do is have everybody vote for the smartest guy in the room, and then we'll send them up as the Electoral College, and they'll pick who wins. They changed that law. But when they did it, they specifically did it for this situation. They did not want the large urban states, right. i.e. New York, Manhattan, and you know the big cities in California, to rule the entire nation. I could care less if she won the popular vote. I think if you take out all the illegals oh, and all yeah. the double take voting, I think she lost. Out. Right, of course. Right. But it doesn't matter. If she won 100% of California and 100% of New York and nothing else, by their logic now... In a, quote, democracy, she would be the president. She right. got the majority of the vote. But we're not in a democracy. We never were. We're in a right. republic, well, a and, representative. And, and, and the point is, you know, flyover country would be neglected. No, no one would care about any sort of issues involving Ohio or, or any Midwest uh, state out there because all the issues, all the presidential folks would, would cater to the needs and the demands of the San Francisco's and the San Diego's Absolutely. and the New York's and the Fort Lauderdale's and the Austin's and, 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 and that sort of thing. But, 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 but while, I mean, how are they trying to, do you think they, do they really believe they can change this or are they just trying to keep putting enough doubt into people's heads that they can say Trump's not a legit, is it, George, is this another, he wasn't uh, like George Bush. What was the, the saying? He wasn't. He was selected, not elected. Right, kind because of, of a Supreme Court decision. Right. So, a, I think they're hoping that this works. That they can flip enough of these people to vote against what the law says they should do and what their voting public said they should do. They think they might be able to do that. If they don't do that, it's still a win for them because they make it look like. Well, he shouldn't have won. I mean, if these people had done what their didn't win the pop- yeah was, didn't win the popular vote, and then there was there were some recount states, and then well now Russia's hacked. All these different reasons why Trump essentially is didn't win. Is illegitimate. illegitimate, right? They're just trying to throw doubt because they got cream. Again, you look at the county by county map. If you stand more than a foot away, it looks red. I mean, yeah. you got to really with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Search to find the oh, blue. yeah, those maps are amazing. I mean, you look at them, it literally is. It's all red except for, again, the big hot spot on San Diego, big hot spot on L.A., big hot spot on, on uh, San Francisco, big hot spot on, on New York, uh, a lot of the, these major cities. So uh, if you but, look at the states that grew, I mean, there were two states that really did well under Obama. One was Texas because everybody from California had to leave to get rid of the taxes and head to Texas. The second was North Dakota. They had all of this oil, all of this natural gas. And in spite of Obama trying to stop it all, they couldn't put a lid on it because it was owned by public, you know, it wasn't public land. It was private land. It was private dollars. It didn't involve a, a penny of government money. And this, and this, you know, state's just doing phenomenally well. I mean, North Dakota, the guys at McDonald's get well more than 15 bucks that they're asking for now right, because right. everybody's got a job in North Dakota. Yeah. So, I mean... It didn't work in in this whole idea that they're going to flip the Electoral College. I really, really hope 
that it it fails miserably, meaning no one swaps their vote because that's I mean, it what would take happen. it would take a lot of people to do that. It, it wouldn't take it, it wouldn't take as many as you think. It only takes five hundred and thirty five people, and of that, only thirty nine of them really got to flip their vote. Yeah, yeah. So it doesn't take much percentage wise. And if they offer every one of them, you know, ten million dollars from George Soros, they've got that. They can do that. But yeah. I think if they do, you're going to have a, a real revolution. Oh, no, I mean, real, real the last eight war, years, yeah. talk about not having hope. Holy yeah. cow, you take away what's happened now, and people are really going to be out there. Absolutely. Uh, George, let's do it. So we'll take a break. When we come back, we we'll want to switch gears on another topic. George, you were the head of, of the Tea Party going back all the way to 2008. The, the Tea Party made a lot of strides and did it, you know, and made a lot of headway in kind of reforming the way the Republican Party thought, but kind of hit a roadblock. Trump was able, you know, Trumpism was able to kind of bust through. I want to talk about that dynamic of maybe what Trumpism uh, did better or different than the Tea Party and kind of that just how the whole relationship works. Stay right here. 700 WLW. Come on. Now, George, this is now you should appreciate this. I mean, guess this is Rob Halford and you look like a doppelganger for Rob Halford. Bald goatee. He play bass? Does he play bass? I don't know. He kicks ass. The I don't bases, know. The basses are always the comedies with the bald head and the little goatee. No, he just, he just, I don't think he plays any instruments. He just sings because he's awesome. Judas Priest, former Judas Priest singer. You know what I'm about. You know, you look just like him. I know who they are, but I, I hope oh I don't look like them. I feel sorry for you if I do. <laughs> really. All right. So, so George, let's get into this because, as I said uh, before the break there, you know, you were one of the, the the original Tea Party folks, right? 2008, all of a sudden Republicans are spending uh, out the wazoo, and everyone got together and said, "Hey, you know, let's let's try to get the government back from these rhinos and these you know Republicans that have been sitting around saying they're for this, that, and the other, and and less government, but all the way spending, spending, spending." In in 2008, I mean, a lot of Republican or, or I would say Tea Party. Uh, representatives were elected that you know to the house in 2010. In 2010, yeah, right, 2010. Right, 2010. In 2008, um, 2009, really, once he took office, right? I don't think it was rhinos that everybody was upset because at that time, most of us Tea Party people didn't even know what a rhino was. I, I had never even watched the news prior to 2008. When 2009 happened, in the first hundred days, he borrowed a trillion dollars borrowed in a hundred days, you're going to wake people like me up because I know you can't spend that kind of money that you don't have. And at the time we thought the answer was let's find more conservative people, i.e. Republicans. We'll get them in. Right. So that's what 2010 was all about. It was, it was yeah. all out to get, you know, uh, the Nancy Pelosi lookalike Steve Driehaus out of there and get Steve Shabbat back in. Now, Steve is one of the most conservative, you know, guys in Congress, but that was the whole fo- fight. We, we focused entirely in 2010 on getting the majority in the House, and we did it. We did it huge, right? The Tea Party in 2009, 2010 was running on pure emotion. We had just lost the battle over Obamacare. Um, you know, Chrysler was owned by the government. GM was owned by the government. The government was They'd picking taken winners over and the losers. Banks. They right. had taken mm-hmm. over everything. It's like, you know, this is socialism big time. Everything we were taught as kids about, you know, America being the land of opportunity, less government, you know, you were allowed to do what you wanted in order to succeed. Totally gone in 2009. It was obvious. This guy, I don't care what his birth certificate said, he was not an American in the idea, meaning he didn't believe 
in the idea that if you work right, hard, American you can exceptionalism, beat yeah, capitalistic uh, mentality, and none of it. You know, he's bowing to the foreign leaders. He's acting like we need to apologize for the fact that we made the world economy. Apologize what for it American is. greatness. Yes, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. So in 2010, you see that huge thing. So 2012 comes along, um, and that's when I was the president of Cincinnati Tea Party, and I'm like, you know, I don't care about anything except defeating Obama. That's all that I care about. I mean, I was focused entirely on the top, and we said, we're going to do whatever it takes. Well, of course, then they give us the candidate was as far away from Tea Party as you could get, Mitt Romney. He invented the idea that we were most against, Obamacare, yeah, Romneycare. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, he was the absolute worst from our perspective, but we had to do something, Yeah, It was, right? it was a hold your nose and vote for this guy to get rid of Obama sort of mentality. And it was a, a defeat, mm-hmm. right? But it, so, well, and, and it was from the, the top down. I remember you and I talked like a day or two after the election. Right. It was, wow. It, it was just devastation. I mean, I, I literally couldn't get out of the basement, really. It was, it was just you'd left everything on the field and still lost. And that time, uh, Hamilton County was still considered a, a swing county, the swing county, as a matter of mm-hmm. fact. Not true anymore. We know that for sure after this election. It happened again in 2012. And, and so the Tea Party had to succumb to grips with this fact that we did everything we thought we knew how to do, and we lost. Well, when you step back now and look at what just happened in 2016, here are the major differences, in, in my humble opinion. I, I, this is an opinion, not a fact. Right, but between the Tea Party mentality versus what Trumpism is what I'm right. labeling it. So two things. The Tea Party believed that their job was to educate the voter so that they would do the right thing. That's what we really focused on. I mean, you saw people talking about, hey, we got to get precinct voters, uh, precinct uh, officials in there to, to make sure the ballots are cast right. We got to educate the people on what these guys are doing, what it means to be in debt, what a deficit is. I mean, so we'd spend a ton of time on education. Yeah. That's what the mm-hmm. rallies were and everything. And so our job was a bottom up, let's try and get people to understand so that they'll do the right thing. Well, that failed miserably. I mean, why? You can't beat Santa Claus. Yeah. So we're sitting here trying to, to spout principles and rules and laws. You know, everything I hold dear as an engineer, most people could care less. Th- that stuff confuses them. All they know is if I vote for a Republican, he's probably going to take away some of the money I get now. He's going to take away my earned income tax credit. He's going to take away my food stamps. And the answer is, yeah, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to give you a job instead. So the key there was we were bottom up with no leader. There, if somebody tells you they are the leader of the Tea Party, they're lying. Yeah, but no well, in, in some of the, the folks that were not the, the top leader, but were some of the, the figureheads, you know, Sarah Palin, she got blistered. The media just ran her through the absolute ringer. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other, you know, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Uh, plenty, maybe a little well, bit. Well, Plenty, and you had, to, um, oh, who was the guy that ran for Republican and then they created this? scandal for him anybody that was a conservative and especially if they were minority conservative wow the stories just came out but everything had to do with the fact that we had no central marching orders we had no real leader i mean there's jenny beth martin who's the president of the tea party patriots she's still around but she's not the leader the tea party had no leader so fast forward to 2016 trump is a figurehead he's out there he's not saying anything about how he's going to get it done But he is stating these are the goals. We're going to build a wall. We are going to get rid of the immigrants. We are going to bring jobs back to America. Didn't say how. Right. We're sitting here thinking, okay, how's he going to do it? How's he going to do it? Nobody cares. No one cares. They did care about the message. They They cared about the It was the same message Obama had in 2008. You know, 
hope and change. Well, describe hope and change. He never did, but people didn't didn't care. Give me the results. And this is a little better than hope and change for a couple of reasons. Of course it is. One, Obama had never had a job in his entire life. No. And he's not qualified one, as is obvious by what happened. Trump, at least. Now, yeah, he started off as a millionaire, maybe even a billionaire, but he's done well. He, He... he has done a little bit of corporate rating where he sells off the companies in bankruptcy. Yeah, right. But that's the game. None of that's against the law. None of that is, you know, entirely bad if you look at it from the right direction. I, I still believe if you saw the original Wall Street, you know, greed works. And it does sometime. If everybody's looking out for themselves, everybody will help everyone else. It's just natural. That's, how, that's what happens on a football team. That's what mm-hmm. happens in a neighborhood. It, it happens everywhere. So the big difference in 2016 was that we had a leader a very strong leader who was willing to say what he thought. Now, he might not that have said it properly, yep. but he said it. He was the guy taking the, 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 the swords and the spears, and, you know, man, they came at him. And still, he didn't back off. In fact, he, every he time he said what, something, yeah, he up. He, he was saying what everyone was thinking, all the, you know, the, the middle-class forgotten voter, what everyone was thinking, that is, why are we letting so many illegal immigrants into this country? Not, nothing against them, but we, we have an unsustainable system. Somebody do something about it. And, right. and all the Republicans are all, oh, we, we can't do that because we got to figure out how to get more of the Latino vote and this right. and that. And they never really went after it. And Trump came in and said what they were, what everyone was thinking. Again, think of it as the evolution. So in 2010, I said we thought the Republicans were the conservatives. And in many ways, they were treated as synonymous, right? By 2012, we knew that wasn't exactly true. I mean, you've got some really squishy Republicans out there. By 2016, totally abandoned. Nobody believes the Republicans are conservative. I mean, nobody. You're talking about rhinos. You're talking about the fact that the Republican Party in Ohio, at least, totally rejected Trump as their candidate. You know, Kasich went out of his way to try and sabotage this whole thing. Mm -hmm. What happened? Everybody knew the Republicans weren't conservatives, and that's why they voted for him. Not why they voted against him. Yeah. They knew he was going to shake things up. They knew he wasn't business as normal, establishment, slash, you know, I'm going to do whatever gets me the most amount of money as a Republican. It's just a those two things. It was still bottom up. Well, and to your point, though, I mean, this is just my perspective. And not so much, you know, I think when you were you know, kind of leading everything, and then it, uh, there was kind of got to be too many chiefs and not enough Indians kind of thing where you said, like you said, the, the, the leadership was kind of, Everywhere, I, I thought the Tea Party got too preachy, you know, too, you know, founding fathers this and to the Constitution that whereas those are all good ideas. But it, it became no one likes the, the the minister at the front of the church preaching the gospel and this and that and this and that. And I, I felt like it got too preachy. And like you said, too, too much for people to wrap their heads around of where Trump came out and started talking like like a fourth grader. Right. And everyone, you know, no one had to had to try to understand that message or learn too much. Part of the problem was I don't think most Tea Party people learned the game. And this is a game. This is not like physics where you learn the laws and yep. then they always apply. This is a game. And the rules change based on who's who's setting the rules, who which is whoever's in charge right now. And the rules of the game, we thought, were to educate people and get them to help and then what happened is in 2012, we were forced to compromise. We were forced to say we're for Mitt Romney. And when he lost, all of the Tea Party leaders said, okay, the reason we lost is because we compromised. Therefore, anyone who, who goes against us, we're against him. So when. So they went way, way, way right. They went, uh, it's an all or none. 
They right. wanted to get rid of Jim Jordan in Ohio, the most conservative guy in all of Washington, D.C., Jim Jordan, mm-hmm. just up here in Lima. They want to get rid of him because he voted for Boehner as speaker. I'm like, this is the only conservative people actually listen to. He's very articulate. He sticks by the principles all the time. And you want to get rid of him because he didn't vote against the guy that could take him away and get, get yeah, rid of all it, the power it, he it, had. it was a scorched earth mentality, 100%. Right. It, it was an right. all or none. You, none. you cross me once, you cross me forever. And I, I think that's the death of the Tea Party. You don't see him around anymore because of that. But the people who were below the leaders, you know, the, the real guts of the Tea Party went to Trump. They went to Trump because he was saying the same things. He didn't preach. It wasn't an all or none. Heck, this guy changed his opinion every now and then for crying out loud. That would never fly with a Tea Party leader anymore. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you can't change your mind. It's a game, people. The, the whole object of the game is to win. And, and in some ways, it's whatever it takes. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to sell my soul to the devil, but... You've well, but you you got to be able to to learn, and, and I say this all the time too. That the Democrats have learned the the process of incrementalism, and they do it so well. They just in, inch the ball down the field instead of trying to just go totally right. for 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 the jugular all the time. And it's not okay. You, maybe you do got to compromise a little bit, but it's about moving the ball down the field, picking up first downs, picking up yards instead of trying to throw hail marys all the time. Um, there is no home run in politics. None, none. Right, George, let's do this. We're going to take a break. Come back with more here. Seven hundred WLW. Kidnapped the Sandy Claus by corn. A little Christmas metal. It's a little much even for me right now. Turn that one down. Wow, it, it's like, you know, Tim Burton's take on Christmas well, music. Well, it was. It, it was It was from the the, mer, the, uh, the movie, the soundtrack, uh, Nightmare, Nightmare, Nightmare Before, Before Christmas. Really? Yeah. That's exactly what came to mind when I heard that. Yeah. Wow. Well, there you go. So you, you, I'm sure you probably listened to that stuff at home. You didn't even know it. Um, I want to get into uh, I, I want to get into Kasich and and, and just uh, in the heartbeat bill a little bit and all that stuff here. Uh, George, you're gonna stick around with me through the ten o'clock hour, but for right now, um, I, I guess from a how are other like Tea Party folks? How do they view Trump? Are are they all on board on him? Are they worried he's gonna you know he's gonna flip and, and all of a sudden start once he gets in start going to the left more? What, what do you think? Uh, that's really all over the map. I, I'd say the common opinion and take this for what it's worth, is that Trump was a very, very good thing. I mean, think about the alternative. Nobody can say they were for Hillary. Even if you didn't like Trump and you didn't like anything, just the fact that, I mean, there's going to be at least one, if not two to three Supreme Court. I mean, if nothing else, you get the Supreme Court, that's a win. That was my argument through the entire campaign. I don't care if you like Trump or not, you've got to vote for the Supreme Court. No, No question about it. But the other thing I think is, like I said, all of the Tea Party members, you know, the people who are retired, living on fixed income, but worked their entire lives to get it. They're not asking for a penny from the government. All of those people went over to Trump. They did not want to go anywhere else. So I think as a group, I think the Tea Party people are are just happy, especially the, you know, the bottom up layer. Some of the leaders, I, I think there is a reason to focus on the Senate and the House still. I mean, McConnell is not a conservative no no, no no way ryan has shown his colors he's not a conservative so somebody's well, there's gotta, a lot of people that hate because trump hates paul ryan there's a lot of people that they're now getting ready to paul ryan showed he was a weasel last time around no, of course. I, really but the question then is who's going to give congress the backbone to cooperate with trump on the things they need to right 
Are, or is the Republican well, Party? Well, I mean, McConnell and, and uh, Paul Ryan are already talking about they're not going to go for Trump's uh, tax cuts early on. Unbelievable! In, in fact, we know from history that those work every single time. Right? Uh, it was a, a laugher, a um, laugher curve. Like, la- I was yeah. just going to say that. That's he exactly well, he right. was just on the other day talking about it. I mean, anyone who's ever read anything about him knows that that was a absolute juggernaut to kickstarting the economy. Why, why, why would they not do that? Why would? What is Paul Ryan and McConnell's incentive to not pass these tax cuts that literally every sane-minded American would want? I think the the establishment Republican Party still thinks they have to win by being Democrat light. I think they're for don't they read reason, the news? Do they not see that Trump's hostile takeover of the of the Republican Party has got everyone so invigorated? These, these rallies, just another one tonight, have tens of thousands of people. They're buying into this idea. They're not buying into Democrat light. And, and I think that's something they got to realize. And, and it- with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Might take them losing the Senate to do it. Although, you know, the next time around looks really good for getting rid of some of the Democrats. So I think our job as conservatives now instead of Tea Party, just people who care about America, our job is to make sure that the Congress does the right thing, that the Senate confirms by hook or by crook the most conservative Supreme Court judges they can find and that they do pass something that is going to help people instead of Obamacare, right. and they got to cut corporate taxes. Even if they don't cut personal, they got to cut corporate I, I, I hope that Trump finds like some like 28-year-old whiz kid lawyer who, so he's on the bench for like the next 50 years. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I think he put uh, Ted Cruz on there. Oh, that'd be good. That'd be, I'd, now, I've been a Ted Cruz basher on this very r- microphone right here, but I would like that pick. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with more. George is going to stick around. 700 WLW. Republican members of the Electoral College, this message is for you. As you know, our founding fathers built the Electoral College to safeguard the American people from the dangers of a demagogue and to ensure that the presidency only goes to someone who is, to an eminent degree, endowed with the requisite qualifications. An eminent degree. Someone who is highly qualified. I can't get enough of this. I don't know if I want to laugh or throw up to prevent an unfit candidate from becoming president. There are 538 members of the Electoral College. You, just 36 other conscientious Republican electors can make a difference. By voting your conscience conscience. on December 19th. I turn it off, I'm going to get sick on air. By the way, that video is on my blog. It's Martin Sheen and uh, Deborah Messi and a few others. uh, Just asking the people to not not do the will of the people, but to vote their conscience, which is a code word for vote for anybody in the world but Trump to try to swing this election because we are um, confused and outraged and and stupid. Instead of focusing on our party and how to get it right and get the right leaders in there to next time around mount a better offensive and get more in tune with, uh, I guess, what what the the normal every sane person believes. No, they're going to just. I'd be willing to let them do this the next time around if they enforce the other law that was in effect when this was written. You know, he's quoting from something written back in 1792. 
at that time, in order to vote, you had to own property. You had to have a job. If they're going to instate the electors allowed to do whatever they want, I'm okay with that as long as the voters have to have property and have a job. That's fine with me. Go for it. Let's trade it off. There you go. I like it. I like it. They can't cherry pick. (laughs) Um, I want to ask you about this, George. Let's talk about John Kasich. Now, I've been very critical of John Kasich on these airwaves, maybe the only one at this radio station critical of him for, uh, I mean, above all the other things, not even all the other things he's, he's done, he's done some good things as the governor of the state, but he is not a team player. And as a guy who grew up in team sports, I, I hate, I cannot stand folks that are not team players. When a guy gets up in front of God and everybody and says, I will support the Republican candidate no matter who it is, and then backs out on that, all the while saying, I am for the people, and I, I care about you, and it, we cannot have Hillary Clinton. That's just another four more years or eight more years of Barack Obama. But really all it came out was he was just worried about himself and concerned about himself, which is exactly what this election was about. People were so sick of the politicians that were thinking about themselves first and the country and everything else second, and that came up and burned John Kasich. George, what, what is he going to do? God, thank God that Ohio went to Trump and Trump won. Kasich was counting on the fact that Trump would lose. He could come out as the savior. He comes in on the white Democrat horse light. and says, hey, see, come on back in here. And you, you hit the nail on the head. Of all the people that we elected in 2010, okay, so we swept every statewide office in 2010. The only one that I never spoke with was Kasich. He could care less what never anybody else down thinks. Here, never you know, he never... came to Price Hill Chili twice to shake hands with us, you know, common folk, and then he went back to the ivory tower. Yeah. That guy will do whatever it takes because he's he's one of those CEOs that thinks he knows it all. He is fairly smart, apparently. I'm I'm not sure of that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't know. But if you're in the room with John Kasich, there's only one opinion that matters, and that's his. I mean, he wiped out the entire you know central committee to put his puppets in charge. Matt Borges has no principles at all. He's for whatever it takes to help John Kasich. But Kasich's entire approach in 2016 was, I want to win in 2020. That's all it is. And everything he does, I mean, at the end there, he sounded like Nancy Pelosi. I mean, some well, of the well, things to, he's To your for, point, George, I mean, me being a, a bit of a conspiracy theorist at times, does he switch to Democrat and try to run 2020 as a more you know, moderate kind of uh, working class Democrat? Like not that, you know, kind of, hey, let's bring it fits the mold of the Dusty what, Rhodes Democrat. Right. Exactly. Which is you know the grant the, the Democrat that my grandfather, and I'm sure your grandfather voted for for the common man. You know, maybe say, hey, look, this whole kind of way left Obama liberal wacko stuff didn't really work. Let me bring it back to the central Trump won a lot of those moderate Democrats. Let me be that moderate Democrat, but also with a Republican slash conservative background and mount the offensive as a Democrat. Does that happen, George Berman? No, he, he does exactly that, but he still tries to keep an R after his name because he can't get as much money if he becomes a D. He, he'll, he'll, but he'll never, he'll never be able to outdo Trump. He'll never be able to do it. It depends on what happens. I, I personally think the next four years are going to just be phenomenal growth. If that happens, Kasich falls to the you know, side of history, and thank God, you know, kick him to the curb, we're done. But if Trump struggles in any way, shape, or form, for whatever reason, doesn't matter to the, you know, does somebody submarine him with uh, us? Some kind of scandal? Does somebody stop him? Does in Obama Congress? start a war on his way out and make Trump deal with it, which is which, what I think is going to ha- is happening right, right now. But right, keep but, going. So if Trump's successful, Kasich's gone for good, um, which I think is the most likely thing. If Trump has struggles at all, 
Casey's going to stick to that middle of the road. I'm the adult in the room, even though he is the one guy that doesn't care about anybody else's opinion except his own. No. I mean, he is an absolute uh, dictator. Everything they say Trump is. But, you know, he has demonstrated it. Every time somebody tries to go against him in that uh, Ohio House or Ohio Senate, you see Casey come down with an iron fist. He, nothing passes that he doesn't want. Our budget's grown by 30% above what Strickland did, for God's sake. You know, he brags about having this rainy day fund, which he got by stealing from the Green Townships. Oh, I went right world. through that, yeah. Every single penny that's in that, that rainy day fund was taken away from townships, villages, and cities. Which was, which was written into the, into the laws, and people voted on these levies because they knew it was, gonna, it was supposed to go to the local governments. He stole that money. It, it, it had no basis right. for doing that. Kasich is the that. poster child for the establishment Republican mentality. This mentality that, A, we need this big tent, which means we got to have no principles whatsoever. It's whatever it takes to get the big tent. You know, if I got to say I'm okay with, you know, no wall and immigrants coming across as they see fit, you know, just open it up, let everybody come in. That's what he's going to say. If he thinks he needs to, you know, give away all the money in the world by, you know, accepting Obamacare and expanding Medicaid, that's what he's going to do. He did it. I mean, this guy. But, but that so essentially, and I agree with you. Essentially, Trump did. I mean, he was he was the enemy number one that Trump defeated, which was the the, the guy that Republicans for the longest time had such a hard time with. When they said uh, again, we we got to figure out how to get more more of the Latino vote. We got to figure out how to do this. We can't piss off this person. Tried to play the political game, and Trump went right after that, cut through the political correctness garbage, and and came out on top. I think Trump is exactly what we said we needed to do, meaning all of this Democrat light, all this political correctness garbage, you can't say what's really going on. Trump went 180 degrees away from that. He says, I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to say it the way I want to say it. I'm not going to try and, you know, say whatever we think they want to hear. I'm going to say what I think. And, you know, if people disagree with me, they disagree with me. Well, but, but, that's so ref- but yeah, but that's so refreshing that even if you don't like it, the, the fact that, you know, it's it, there's not some ulterior motive and you're not it's not a planned thing. And that's what people loved about Trump's speeches during the, the primary. He didn't he didn't go off a teleprompter and he, he, he came in, didn't give the same speech in, in uh, Kalamazoo that he gave in Cincinnati, that he gave in Wisconsin. He, he didn't do that. He spoke his mind. And, and he didn't came out good, better, and this, different. You know, I'm going to be Santa Claus light. You know, I'm not going to give you as much, but I'm going to give you money. You know, hey, you don't need to have a job. We'll take care of you. He never, ever even bowed close to that. And the thing you would hope that our party or the, the more conservative side of the world would have thought out of that is, okay, that, that proves sticking to your principles, saying what the truth is, works. Right. Now, I, I want to ask you this, though, because about Trump, I, you know, just kind of looking through my, my looking glass here, I, I, I think here's what's going to happen. And I think a lot of conservatives are going to have a problem with it. I think Trump is going to spend a lot of money, you know, spend a lot of money on infrastructure. But, you know, he's going to put maybe pass a, you know, a trillion dollars and rebuild the Detroits and the Youngstowns of the world. Right. But from my perspective, I won't have a, a big problem with it because instead of buying um, you know, solar panels and, and windmills and things like that. They have no R- ROI. It's going to be roads and bridges and, 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 and buildings and things like that. We're okay. Yeah. We're, it's government spending. It's not private sector all the time, every day kind of thing, but there'll be some sort of actual return on investment, something to hold in your hand versus a, a bunch of fake garbage. I am absolutely okay with him spending trillions of dollars on infrastructure 
as long as it's true infrastructure. I want a new bridge. Yeah. Our bridge is 10x what it was meant to do. It's way past its prime. Why don't we have a new bridge? Well, it's because they took the money that was earmarked, that was supposed to be in the lockbox that never gets raided, and they used it for ethanol. They used it for Solyndra. They used it for, you know, all these mamby-pamby, wannabe uh, things that don't work. You know, renewable energy, green energy. You know, we're going to put windmills everywhere and kill every bird within 100 miles. <laughs> That's right. That's, I'm okay with him spending that money to get infrastructure. If he stops spending it on using food for fuel, for, you know, killing birds with these Cuisinarts that supposedly produce electricity, you know, I want to see... Nuclear plants everywhere for see, electricity. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I think the first time he does it, he's going to come out and say, here's my you know trillion-dollar stimulus thing that's going to happen. I, I feel like a lot of people are going to lose their mind, but I think they should look at the bigger picture here and, and, and understand, yes, it's spending. But look, as, as much as I am a hardline, you know, the, the private sector get, is the one that gets things done. I mean, the government's done some some good things. I mean, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, the Hoover Dam. Built, the government's done a few things that I don't know if the private sector could pull off. ROI, return exactly. on investment. Not a single Democrat in the world understands what ROI means. But you have to spend the money to make the money. I can't build cars without a manufacturing plant, which means I need to spend, you know, a million, you, two million, can't, three million dollars. Yeah, and you can't get to the manufacturing plant if the roads are terrible and the bridges are terrible Absolutely. and the building's falling down. You can't. There are some things that centralized government was meant to do. The obvious one is protection, right? Now, maybe you could have a, you know, a syndicate, as some of the books, you know, Hunger Games kind of talks about. We're going to have the corporations take over protection. Well, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It makes more sense for everybody to give a buck. You know, you get 300 million people giving a buck. You got $300 million to spend on a coordinated, centralized defense plan. That's what Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines are supposed to be doing. Instead of, you know, the government trying to get involved in picking winners and losers in the car race, winners and losers in, in the energy race. Baloney, get out of the way. You know, set the rules, set the level playing field, get out of the way. There is a reason why in the last eight years there have been no technological innovation, none whatsoever. What venture capitalist is going to spend, you know, a million, you, you, ten million? Now that of their you say dollars? that, you're, you're right. Other than like apps, I can't think of one apps like are not a brand revolution. new. Right. We've been doing small software packages. I, I, I probably wrote my first one in 1977. That's been around forever. That's not new. The phone, the the integration of all that is is evolution. There's been no revolution. In the last eight years, and there's not going to be because there's no money to be made from it right now. Right now, hopefully the key word. Let's do this. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to do one more segment here. I want to ask you about Obama and the EPA. That's going to be a, a little tussle there as well. Stay right here. 700 WLW. <laughs> Merry Metal Christmas, folks. Hair Metal Friday, the Christmas edition. We're doing it this Friday because next Friday I'm filling in for Willie, and I don't know if hair metal will go over noon to three. I think it's more of a night thing. I think the bankers will tear their hair out. <laughs> that's exactly. Hey, man, maybe that's a good idea, though. All right, quickly, George, uh, let's talk about Trump in, in the EPA. Now, look, I, I am different from some conservatives out there, and I, I feel like people are automatically against the EPA and against you know clean water and and in saving the environment i'm not I, I love the environment but i think more specifically it's it's getting rid of some of these 
a lot of the you know the green energy type of things. I'm for conservation and all that, but it's getting rid of the the green energy nonsense that everyone's made a, a total racket off of. Well, that, that's the it, it always boils down in my mind again as an engineer. It boils down to something called efficiency, which also used to be called conservation. In other words, I don't want to use yeah, conservative m- conservation is in, right. in the work. I'm all for green conservation. You know, I don't think we should be chopping down more trees than we need to. We should plant one or two for every one we take down. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. But the EPA, I mean, just look at this. They, they've criminalized CO2. You can't create heat without carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is plant fertilizer. It's a, it's a part of Mother Nature. You're never going to get rid of it because if you in do, we all grade, die. In third grade, when I learned about photosynthesis, I learned that the plants take in the CO2 and they put oxygen out. Why, and that's changed. the root of the problem with the EPA is they've gone way too far. And let's stick with something I, I know facts about as opposed to opinion. Facts. Diesel engines. In 2000, they passed something called the consent decree. It was Al Gore's claim to fame. He was going to kill these evil diesel companies. And he passed all these new regs. Since then, the price of a diesel engine has doubled. The efficiency has gone down 30%. And the cost and reliability are in the toilet. So if you look at any product, like if you go to Walmart and buy something, it's been in a truck at least twice. And that guy's paying twice as much as he should for the to get that mm-hmm. stuff to the market. Right. If you would just go to normal, let's think about what it takes to have, quote, clean air, not this air's coming out cleaner than it's going in that we have today. You could literally save the economy billions of dollars just in the cost of transportation. And you're saying you could save the economy billions of dollars, but also not put any more pollutants into the environment than, than are now. Any real pollutants. I mean, if you think CO2 is a pollutant, actually getting rid of the some of the emission rules would improve the CO2 dramatically. But it's this criminalization of other things. Like in the case of a diesel, it's something called nitrous oxide, NOx. That was the thing they lowered to the point where, you know, at the time that they passed those rules, we couldn't even measure the level they were trying to get us down to. It was absolutely ridiculous. Wow. And, and I, I said earlier, the way the EPA thinks is they only have to prove that it works once. So it's the equivalent of saying in the NFL, I'm going to put uh, Tom Brady and uh, A.J. Green out there, and I'm going to prove that they can catch a 50-yard pass. And if I can do that once, we're now going to pass a rule that says there are no forward passes less than 50 yards. Because we, we proved, proved you can, you do, can it. do it. That's right. exactly what the EPA has done. They said, okay, we can tune an engine at one place, one time, once, to pass these ridiculous rules. So now you got to make it do it everywhere all the time. Where, where of course, you know, different different climates, different temperatures, different this, that same engine is not going to work. It just doesn't happen. And, and so what's happened is the EPA is, is just grown by leaps and bounds to the point where now they can say a puddle in your backyard is now a wetland. Therefore, we control what you can do with your, quote, wetland. We control any access to a creek now because we have to what, regulate what, what, what do you think, Trump? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm just going to do with that. What do you think he's going to do? I think he's going to say, can he do? go blow, dude. Uh, all of this stuff is executive order. It doesn't take a single rule of Congress today 
to pass any EPA rules. The rules that creamed the the diesel industry were done on January 20th, the day that Clinton left the office. He signed those into law before he left, the day before, because he knew that once they were passed, anybody who tried to go backwards was going to look horrible. Trump doesn't care if he looks horrible. I think he needs to undo all of this war on coal. He needs to say, I want nukes, nukes, nukes. I want coal plants. I want natural gas plants. I want you to pump the ground for everything we got, and we're going to sell it to the highest bidder across the world. I've always been in favor of taking as as much fuel and natural gas and oil from America and other countries. That way we don't have to get it from the Middle East. That way no one will give a damn about that rotten desert over there. The only reason people care about that that deal over there is because they have oil. Without that... Go, and, go, and go ahead what, and fight each other. Who cares? What is going to happen if you if you think the way we've been going the last eight years? The price of electricity has gone from about $0.08 cents a kilowatt hour to 12 If the Obama regulation and regulation growth continues, it's going to cost you a dollar for what you're di- today paying a dime for. Well, and and at good. that point, nobody can even afford to heat your house. Yeah. It, it's just uncontrollable for no reason at all. George, we got to run, buddy, but appreciate your time. This hour and a half has, has flown by. We got to do it again sometime. Sounds good. Thank All right, you. All right, so we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to switch gears about 180 degrees. I have Adam Crowley of ESPN Pittsburgh joining me. We're going to talk a little Bengals v. Steelers. Stay right here, 700 WLW. The Rocky Borman Show rolls on here on 700 WLW. And if you didn't know, you might have heard, there's a big, big football game right here this weekend. The Bengals versus the feared and dreaded Pittsburgh Steelers. And to talk a little bit about the Steelers, I want to bring on Adam Crowley. He's with ESPN Radio in Pittsburgh. Adam, how are you? I'm great, Rocky. How you doing, man? Doing good, my friend. So so let, let's just start with this. Are, are the Steelers for real? You know, early in the season, they you know they lost to the Eagles, and then they lost four straight games. Now they've won four straight games. Is this a team that's, you know, getting healthy and, and, and getting uh, hot at the right time, or are they going to fizzle out here? What's your perspective? I thought that this is the team we'd see all season long, to be honest. Coming in, I thought that they'd be 12 and 4. I thought that they'd be 13 and 3. I really thought that they were that talented. Uh, I expected defensively things to go better than they did early. I expected offensively them to be more explosive than they were early. And injuries were a, a big issue. And defensively, youth was a big issue. And they were kind of coaching around that. But I do believe in them. They didn't just lose to those teams you mentioned either. They got drubbed by Miami. They got drubbed by the Eagles. Um, But they're a much better football team now. This is the best four-game stretch they've played defensively in a very long time. So I think it's sustainable. Uh, They're running the football and playing defense, and that's how you win in December. Adam, you mentioned defensively playing better. I know one thing we've seen the last couple weeks, they've seemed to be settled on the outside linebackers, and one of them is Bud Dupree, who's very young, and the other one's a guy who is ageless, very old. That's a 38-year-old James Harrison. Um, But but besides, uh, before we get into those two players, what else defensively has really come together for the Steelers in the last couple weeks? Well, it's interesting that you mentioned those two. There's certainly the juxtaposition there of the old man and the young buck, and we'll get to them like you mentioned. But I think it's the other young players on this defense. Early on in the season, Artie Burns really struggled, and mm-hmm. Keith Butler, the Steelers' defensive coordinator, coached around him, coached around Sean Davis, their safety, uh, who's also a rookie, the second-round pick out of Maryland. And he said, we're not going to blitz. If we blitz, these guys are going to get left on islands, and they're going to make mistakes, and those mistakes are going to wind up with extra points being kicked after them. So they didn't blitz in the early going. And the more they played, the more they felt comfortable, and the more they started to blitz. The Steelers had eight sacks for the first seven games of the season. They now have 31, as they've had 18 in the last 
handful of games. They're on fire when it comes to that. Uh, they're bringing a lot more pressure. The outside linebacker situation is not as fluid as it was early in the season, but it all stems from having faith in those young players in the secondary who are both playing fabulously. Artie Burns now has three interceptions uh, in the last four games. And Sean Davis, I think, is a budding star in this league. I'm not saying he's there right now, but he's showing a lot of flashes. Uh, he's good when it comes to the blitz. He's good in coverage. Uh, he's tough. And he's a good guy, too, who puts mm-hmm. in a lot of work. So I think those two guys uh, really settling down and the coaches uh, really trusting them is what has turned this defense around. Right. Well, I mean, that, that's what it all comes down to. If you can cover, you got guys that can cover, then you can blitz. You can blitz all day, but if you're hanging your guys out on an island, it, it does no good. Uh, in terms of those pass rushers, let, let's start first with – let me ask you this. What happened with uh, Jarvis Jones? And, you know, coming out of college, I watched him in college just like you did, and it looked like he was going to be a dominant player for the Steelers for a decade or more, and it never really happened. Why Is it injuries? Is it just – they missed? What is it? I think it's a miss. He did have an injury in his third season. This is now his fifth season, and he missed significant time, 14 of the 16 games. So that was a lost year of development. But, you know, he's good at stopping the run. He's good in coverage. But that's not why you play outside linebacker right. in Pittsburgh. It's just not why he was drafted. He led the nation in sacks at Georgia, and he's come in and just been abysmal uh, at rushing the passer. And, the Steelers have kind of changed up their philosophy when it comes to the outside linebackers now, or really the entire defense. He had a lot of production in college, but his his measurables weren't great. He didn't test well at the combine. Yeah. He's not an athletic freak. Whereas Bud Dupree, the outside linebacker that you mentioned that they brought in from Kentucky, didn't have great production, but is an absolute monster when it comes to his athleticism. And we're seeing that pay off for him. And Jarvis Jones will not be a Steeler at the end of this year. Uh, nor should he be. Well, that, uh, first of all, I mean that's a very interesting conversation right there in, in general. Of you know what, what's what makes the best pro a guy who's very productive and very football savvy in college, or a guy that's you know maybe just didn't have the production but is an athletic freak because you got to be able to have the athleticism at the pro level. But I don't know. I, I just think it's an interesting conversation there, and, and I guess for Bud Dupree, it's happened to work out, and he's finally it seems like it's clicked, and he's, he's really being uh, very very productive right now. Um, but but let me ask you about James Harrison, thirty eight years old. I mean, you see him day in and day out. I mean, I, hell, I was I played. He was old when I played with him, like you know, like six eight years ago. So uh, so what's this guy's deal? I know he's always been a workout warrior. Um, have they have they held back on his snaps? I feel like he's playing a lot of snaps though too. What's the deal? Yeah, that's interesting. And by the way, he had his second quote-unquote random drug test of the week today. I saw I mean, that today. <laughs> he loves Roger Goodell. I know. He just, hey, just test me yeah. again because you and I are such good friends, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it's, you know, it's hilarious, honestly, to watch that happen because it's not at all random, and he's never failed a drug test uh, in his life. I mean, I, I walk into the facility, and he's there, and I'm there all day, and when I leave, he's there. And I'm sure he's there long after I leave. So he works out really hard. Early on in the season, the Steelers uh, were kind of holding him back a little bit. But once they fell to four and five, it's one of those instances where, okay, break glass in case of emergency. Well, (laughs) you're four and five. It's emergency time. And he was their best pass rusher because Bud Dupree still had not come off IR yet. Um, But he's been great. He's great when it comes to stopping the run and setting the edge. Uh, You can't move him off. And anytime he's playing one of the bigger, taller uh left tackles uh, out there in the National Football League, he's still abusing them. 
Uh, he has his problems whenever they're, uh, you know, a little shorter, stouter left tackles. But anybody who's in that six-five range, uh, who's who's a little oh, yeah. bit longer, he gets under a man with that leverage, and, and he can still wreak a lot of havoc. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Everyone wants those big, tall, you know, tackles like that. But him being at, at what six foot and two forty-five or whatever it is, yeah, he gets underneath him. It's it's a leverage game. I've seen him do it for a, a long, long time, and and he's still doing. It. Adam Crowley with ESPN Radio. In Pittsburgh, join us. You can follow him on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. Um, let's talk about this because I remember at the beginning of the year, everyone here in Cincinnati is going, oh, my God, Le'Veon Bell is suspended. This is going to be the end of the Steelers. And I said, wait, 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 not so much here. What's going to happen is this guy come late in the season when you got to be good. This guy is going to be fresh. They're going to be able to use him. And damn it if I wasn't right, Adam, this guy now is accounting for, I believe, 58% of their or 43% of their offense. He's getting 161.8 yards from scrimmage. This guy's been unbelievable of late. Yeah, and if he played the first three games and would play all 16, he'd be on pace for 2,300 yards all-purpose, 91 catches, 700 yards, and I think he'd be squarely in the MVP conversation. I think he's on the periphery now and deserves to be, but you're absolutely right, and that was a great point. Uh, to, to not play the first three games... That's three games where he spared all those. Yeah, wear and tear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Mike Tomlin, he rides the running backs till the wheels fall off. He did it with Willie Parker. He did it with Rashard Mendenhall, and he's going to do it with Le'Veon Bell, even though they've got D'Angelo Williams and Fitz Toussaint, who are two pretty good options. But Le'Veon Bell is not the best running back I ever saw. I mean, that that would be incredible hyperbole, but he is the most patient running back that I've ever seen. And it's such a unique style that even when the play's not blocked up the way it's supposed to be blocked up, he still finds yardage. You can use him in the passing game. Uh, He is the biggest reason for this offensive turnaround because the Steelers don't have a number two receiver because Sammy Coates is hurt and none Mm -hmm. of the other guys have really stepped up. So, that's been a big key for their offensive renaissance. Well, I mean, I mean, you're right. Just in terms of, I mean, being a zone runner the way he is, that is God given. You can't learn that. I've seen guys, you know, try to get in these zone style offenses where they got to be patient, wait for the blocks, and they just can't do it. They just don't get it. I mean, he's got that just unique knack to be able to be patient, but it's doesn't look. He's not dilly dallying in the hole. He's just waiting for patient, waiting for that block to get there, waiting for that that crease to open up. And, and then he hits it. It's really remarkable how good he actually is at it. Uh, speaking of just, just the game in general, I, I know, you know here in Cincinnati, it's been the same old deal. Everyone's been asking, oh, Fontes Burfick, are you going to be able to keep your cool? And this, and of course, yeah, we're going to do that. And Adam Patman Jones, <laughs> yeah, no, no problems. We're just focused on the game. Has it been much of the same in Pittsburgh? Is everyone ask, asking about, uh, I guess, the, the shenanigans uh, of the game, if you will? Yeah, uh, actually, Mike Munchak had to pull my hair because he was so me <laughs> asking questions. No, you know, they're, they're very focused right now on trying to make the playoffs and winning out. And as Antonio Brown said this week on the Antonio Brown Show on ESPN Pittsburgh, look, we're in playoff mode. We've been in playoff mode since we lost to Dallas. And they're not going to let anything deter them from that line of thinking. Now, that being said, when they see those beautiful orange helmets with the stripes on them at Paul Brown Stadium on Sunday. Maybe some of the blood gets boiling, and maybe things start to get a little chippy there. But they seem focused to me. Uh, by the way, has Pac-Man Jones 
found uh, Mr. Terrell Pryor in the trash can yet? No, he's still looking for him apparently. But uh, yeah, that was a, that was a whole deal this week too. And Paul Gunther <laughs> had to comment on that, and I didn't see that big a deal of it, but whatever. It was. I liked it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know what? People take sports so seriously sometimes. It's like, okay, here's exactly. you know, let, let's have a little bit of fun with this. What's what's the problem? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So let, let's let me ask you this: What's this game going to come down to? Give me your winner here, Adam. Yeah, you know, I've I've had a difficult time with this. We know division games. It really you, you can I know it's a cliche, but you throw the records out the window. The Steelers have had a lot of success at Paul Brown Stadium. I believe fifteen and three there. Uh, on the other side, the Bengals have seemed to have a lot of success in Heinz Field, uh, winning a couple of games to help them get to the playoffs these last few years. Um, so I, I like the Steelers in this game because they really need to win to continue on this playoff mojo streak that they got going right now. But I'm not confident in the pick. I think it'll be close. I think the Steelers will run the ball. Uh, but I expect Ben Roethlisberger to turn it over once or twice, as he's been known to do on the road. And I think it'll be close until the fourth quarter. Adam Crowley with ESPN Radio in Pittsburgh joining us. Now, Adam, before I let you go, a couple of topics I want to uh, ask you about, just uh, not in relation to the Steelers. I, I stalk, I mean, follow you on Twitter. And you came up with two things. You and I think alike. But the first one you made a comment on was the Joe Mixon video where he, you know, uh, he hit the young lady out there out in, out in Oklahoma. By the way, that video is on my blog, 700WLW.com. Search for Rocky Boyman. I, I remember I said the exact same thing you did on Twitter when Ray Rice, when the Ray Rice deal came out. And that was, what did you expect to see in that video? Everyone's all horrified now when, when, when a football player, a young, strong young man hits a woman. What do you expect it to be light and nice? And so your point was the, the, the very same thing here. What, what was everybody expecting? Everyone's all outraged about this. You should have been outraged by it like, you know, two, three months ago. Yeah, it drives me crazy. I mean, this is exactly what we knew happened. And now we just have a picture to it. You know, yeah. it's like a picture book. You know, you, you're reading the words, you know what it says, but, oh, you need that picture to tell you exactly what's going on? No, you don't. When somebody punches a woman in the face, I don't need to see a video to know it's awful. And for Oklahoma to have only suspended him for one year when they knew that that's what happened, he should never have played a down at that university. Never, uh, yeah. It's a travesty. And what, what really bothers me, Rocky, are the people who they'll, they'll latch on to the tweet of the video and they'll say, well, he hit her first. Are you, are you kidding me? Oh. Are you kidding me? I'm five foot nine, me. And if a woman hit me in the face, I would do everything I could to walk away from the situation or try to restrain her. But under no circumstances should you ever punch a woman across the face no, that, unless she's holding a gun to your head. You know? Right. What I mean? right exactly. That, that, that's an argument. You, you, you know, you're never and should never, never win. Absolutely. L- last thing, Adam. I, I believe your comment on the, uh, the the Wake Forest. Scandal. Now, Lance McAllister down the hall here, he got on me yesterday because I said, I, I said, look, if, if I'm the opposing team and I happen to get a hold of your game plan, that's a you problem, not a me problem, right? right. I, I, I mean, you know, when someone was at one of my, one of my buddies in school said, Hey, I got the answers to the test. I was going to look at him. I wasn't going to yep. steal him from the teacher, but I was damn sure going to look at him, right? I mean, you do the same thing. No question. It took me five years to graduate, Bobby. Yeah, I, just, uh, I didn't get a good enough look at those answers. That's but, right. No, that, that's the thing. Look, don't don't get mad at me. Get mad at the guy who swiped the the, the answers off the professor's desk, right? I mean, right. that's the jackass, not me. I'm just trying to get along 
And look, if you need the game plan to beat Wake Forest, that, <laughs> that, that says a little something about your yeah. program too. But although I did hear the Wake Forest coach on Mike and Mike one of these morning, one of these mornings it was either yesterday or today, and yep, I, heard boy, too. I felt yep. bad. I felt bad for him. But look, I, I'd use it, and and I, you know, I'm not going to mince my words about that. I'd use it for sure. I, I you know what, and and obviously being with doing game three ESPN, we, we get to meet with these coaches and. You know, a lot of them are very kind of weary about stuff, but but some of them, you know, there's kind of an unwritten rule, and they'll say, you know, especially the ones that are kind of confident in who they are, they'll say, hey, you know, we're, we're probably going to try an onside kick in the second half, but but it's kind of a known rule where yeah. you're not going to go out and put that because it, the the second we did, our, my career would be over. You know what I mean? Like so, you right. kind of gotta gotta take it like that. But uh, but yeah, man, I I do feel bad for that coach and. You know, a, a rogue employee or a rogue former ex-player coach sort of thing is a not man. That's a tough, tough deal out there. So anyway, well, Adam, look, we we got to run, buddy. But I appreciate your time here, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay. Always a lot of fun, Rocky. Really appreciate you having me on. Yep. Thanks, partner. See ya. That was uh, Adam Crowley with ESPN Radio in Pittsburgh. Five one three seven four nine seven thousand pounds seven hundred AT and T one eight hundred the big one. If you have any thoughts or comments on your Cincinnati Bengals, we'll take a break. Back with more. 700 WOW. Welcome back to the show. Doing a little hair metal Christmas music here tonight. Appreciate you joining in. Um, we're going to do this. We're going to take a break. We're going to get the top of the hour news, get some updates, and then uh, I got a, a, a guy coming in the studio here. His name is George Bruneman. He's the former head of the Cincinnati Tea Party. He's also um, he was an engineer, a consultant, very, very smart, intelligent guy. Uh, a lot of things in the political world, a lot of things even here locally that has to do with elections and whatnot I'd like to discuss with George. So we'll talk about the Electoral College. We'll talk about the future of Kasich. We'll talk about uh, Trump, what he's going to do, what he may be able to do, what he can can't do, that sort of thing. So that will all be next, and then we'll have an interview with Doug Pelfrey here later on. So, folks, stay right here after the news, 700 WLW. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.